Philippians chapter 2. I think it was back in June we talked about murmuring members from this passage. Um, this morning we will touch on that, but that is not the, the, the main focus of the message. Uh, but you ought not be a murmuring member. Um, so there, there's so much in Scripture that tells us we ought not be that way. But um, <clears throat> I think the Philippian church was a good church. They had proven to be a blessing to the Apostle Paul uh, as a prisoner. And uh, they had sent Epaphroditus. And he tells Paul about all that's going on in Philippi. Uh, but there is a concerning finding. Uh, he finds that there's some potential danger. Not from without, but from within. Those murmuring members. Um, <clears throat> from some disunity that was taking place in the church. It appears there were some quarrelsome folk. And uh, that can be the case in our church. Uh, if we're not careful, we ought to strive not to be that person. Um, <clears throat> but they certainly were murmuring and disputing. And uh, I, that will negatively affect any church. Uh, and it will hinder the ministry anywhere. And so we certainly don't want that to be taking place here. It's never right for God's people to be at odds with one another. Uh, we ought to be seeking reconciliation and, and forgiveness and understanding. Uh, but the flip part of that is everything doesn't have to be your way. So bottom line is if you're grumbling and complaining and you have an argumentative spirit, that's not Christ-like. Um, so we are commanded over and over in the Word of God to walk in unity and humility. Sometimes we just need to humble ourselves. Our way isn't the most... Listen, who needs to have the preeminence? Christ. So, uh, it, it, we're going to be in chapter 2, but just on this thought of being commanded to, uh, to be in unity, we've been looking at uh, on our Striving Together series, Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. Listen, if we would just consume ourselves with the gospel, we would be doing pretty good. Whether anybody sees us or not, right? The Apostle Paul says, whether I come or be absent, whatever the case may be, he's going to fear or hear of their affairs, and, and he says he wants that you stand fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith. Boy, what a blessing for that to be the testimony of liberty uh, here in Rapid City. Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Boy, is that your goal? Endeavoring to keep the unity. Uh, we ought to be striving for that. And so Paul deals with a divisive spirit here in, in Philippians chapter 2 that had crept into the church. It's there uh, <clears throat> in the second chapter. In verses 1 through 4, we see a plea for self-denial and humility. Uh, we see all those. We're not going to read those for the sake of time this morning. And in verses 5 through 11, he gives us the, the perfect or the great pattern of our Savior Jesus Christ in how we ought to conduct ourselves. And it says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ. And it, and it goes on and describes how he, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Boy, that would solve a lot of things if we could just follow the pattern of our Savior. Uh, but then the verses that we're going to look at this morning, 
He gives us a process that we become more like Christ in our daily lives. And that's the thought I want today. Uh, as believers, and, and I say that because this is a place where believers gather. Certainly I understand there may be lost people in here today. Uh, and, and if you don't know Christ, I plead with you to come to him today. But as believers, our desire ought to be more like Christ. We are predestined to be like Him. Uh, it's it's going to happen. And so, uh, but there is this term that we're going to read today about working out our salvation. So this morning, the title of the message is, Are You Working Out? And I'm not talking about the gym. If you haven't noticed, I've gone to the gym recently. <laughs> well, not this week, but... <laughs> but uh, I kind of reinvigorated some efforts to, I don't know what somebody said, but people are really laughing. But, um, but I have thought, you know what? I'm 40-some years old. I don't want to get much bigger. That was just for me, right? So I'm not judging anyone else. But that for me, I was like, you know what? I need to start hitting the gym. I'm not talking about physical exercise. It does profit. The Word of God says it profits little. But, but it is problem. But godliness is, is our... So as Christians, as believers, our main focus ought to be the gospel, our conversation, right? And we ought to be seeking to be like our Savior. We ought to be striving to be like Him. So if you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God, we'll read our text and pray, and then we'll look at a few things this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 16 Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, it is a blessing to gather around your word this morning, and I pray that you would, Lord, use your word to touch hearts and lives today. Certainly I am nothing, Lord, and so I pray that you would use me as a vessel to preach your word, and Father, that you would fill this place with the Spirit and that folks would be attentive and receptive to what the Word of God has to say. And I pray that you would work in our lives and challenge us to be conformed, to be more like Christ. And Father, certainly we pray for those that may not know Christ today. We ask that you would work in their hearts. Lord, help them to know that this is a place where they're loved. And Lord, certainly we desire for them to come to Christ. And so we pray you work in their life. Help us to be a blessing in that way if we're able. Lord, we do thank you for our pastor. And as he's away, we ask that you just give safety and a refreshing we look forward to his return this week, and we pray that you just be with him in a mighty way. Now, Lord, we, we need you this morning. We ask that you would work in our midst only as you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I want you to notice some things this morning, <clears throat> some things that Paul didn't say. Uh, he didn't say work for your salvation. Amen. He didn't say work towards salvation. And he didn't say work to keep your salvation. Those terms are not here. And as we look at this in context, we see in verse 1 of chapter 1, you can flip back a page or so, depending on what Bible you have. If it's a giant print, it may be three or four pages. But um, 
<clears throat> Paul and Timotheus, the, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which were at Philippi. So, so in the very beginning of this verse, he's writing to those that are saints, those that are in Christ, those that are saved. So just in that reasoning, we could say he's not telling us to work at this thing. He's not telling us to work to keep this thing. Uh, salvation is a free gift of God by faith. Uh, and if you would just turn to him in faith, you can be saved today. It's pretty plain to me that he's writing to those that are in Christ. And I don't think he's writing for them to be earnestly working to keep what they have. Uh, that's not the context of this. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Nobody's going to earn their way to heaven. Nobody's going to earn their way to eternal life. Uh, that's not how God works. Titus 3, 3 through 9, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. What a blessing. I'll never forget the day that the Lord appeared to me and said, You're a wretch, but I love you. Amen. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that all or that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men, but avoid foolish questions, genealogies, and contentions, strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. Listen, salvation is by God's grace and His mercy and through faith and nothing else. <clears throat> you don't have enough good works to make up the difference. The word here, or the term here, work out, means to carry to the goal or to carry to ultimate or final conclusion. What is that for the Christian? Being like Jesus Christ. We might say that we exercise our faith and a student may exercise or work out a math problem. Now, I don't do that much anymore. I wasn't very good at it when I had to do it in school, and I don't plan on working out any math problems to their conclusion. But I do plan on working at being more like Jesus Christ. God works and partners with us to conform us to His Son. We are to, be, we are to bring our salvation to its ultimate conclusion, which is being like Jesus. What a blessing. As a farmer works out his fields to bring about the goal of a harvest, so we are to labor faithfully to become like Christ. Uh, we need to do our part. And, and thank God we don't do it on our own. And, and we'll see that here in a few moments. Charles Ellicott says this, to work out, to carry out to completion what is begun. This is the function of man as fellow workers with God, first in his and it, or, and it says, and then among his brethren, God is the beginner and performer of every good work. Man's cooperation is secondary. One day you're going to be like Christ if you're saved today. 
And I'm looking forward to that day. The day that we can lay this robe of flesh down and the struggles and the infirmities and the difficulties that we face daily. Uh, What a blessing that will be. So work out with obedience. I think that's where we fall short oftentimes. We don't want to obey. God has not failed to speak. We oftentimes fail to respond. Verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, as ye have always obeyed. He's talking to the Philippians. I, I said this is a good church. I believe they're a good church. Uh, they, they, they've been uh, a blessing to the Apostle Paul in his ministry. And it wasn't just in his presence. Some of us are good at doing the right thing when other people are around. Well, they always obeyed, but not in his presence only. Look at what it says, but now much more in my absence. And then he gives us that phrase that we're looking at today about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Paul was aware that obedience to Christ was the key to living the Christian life. We need to be obedient to the Word of God. Uh, I want blessings in my life. Are you in line with the Word of God? Uh, We must be committed to obeying the Scriptures regardless of whether it's convenient or popular. Sometimes we just don't do it because it's not convenient. Boy, i got to set my alarm clock a little bit early so I can get up and be in the Word of God. Sleep is more important. Or perhaps work is more important because I'll tell you what, in the military when they said I had to be there at oh dark 30, I was never late. To the detriment of my walk with God at times. And I'm ashamed to admit that. Sometimes we're not so good at being obedient. Listen, we want God's blessings, but it's not complicated. Be in the Word. Obey the Word. Listen, I've, I've, He created prayer that we can have help when we need it. It's not a complicated thing, but sometimes we just need to be honest with ourselves. We're not willing to be obedient with what God has already revealed to us. Listen, God doesn't take you and make you... I'll, I'll leave that alone. Listen, God's not going to do something great and amazing in your eyes with you until you begin doing the basic level obedience. The problem is we just want to go from, from, from salvation to, boy, we're, the, we're the, the well-known Christian that everybody admires for their great faith. You know, those missionaries that we read about, that we always uplift, listen, they have nothing else available to them that we don't. They just chose to be obedient and to work out to exercise their Faith. And, and listen, when, when we do that, God shows up. We'll look at that verse. He, 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 he's the one that does this ultimately. And so we must be obedient to the revealed word of God. Knowledge alone is not enough. It must be applied. Listen, I've been in church long enough to know that there are some people, they have the right answer for everything but there is no fruit in their life to indicate that they have applied any of that. What a shame. But I'm afraid there's many a church filled with that kind of Christian. But as we heard, can you really be called a Christian? If you're not living a life that's like Christ? We must make application of the Word of God. When we hear the Word and obey it, that is when we apply it to our lives. 
spiritual growth will occur. We need to be obedient. The believers at Philippi were obedient, not only in his presence. What a blessing to know that you all showed up, even though pastor's not here today. You're, you're being obedient to not forsaking the assembly in our pastor's absence. What a blessing. And the reality is we're not doing it for a person. We're doing it for the Lord. May the Lord help us to be obedient even when nobody is observing or present with us. We might pray, God, help us to be obedient in your presence. Listen, God is always present. But in our minds, sometimes we forget that, and that's when we get ourselves in trouble because we think we can do things and God doesn't know. Behold, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. God knows everything that you're doing, and so we need to resolve in our mind that whether anybody else sees it or not, we're going to do that which is right in the eyes of a holy God. We need to be obedient if we want to work out our salvation. The first step in in working out your salvation is a readiness to obey His Word. And I'm talking an obedience that is committed to obeying before you know the answer. Sometimes we just need to do right because that's what God said. We don't have to understand it all. That's what I demanded of my boys. I did not offer an explanation for everything at times. Don't touch that. It's 300 degrees. You will have a burn. I didn't explain. I just said, don't touch that. And when they touched it, they learned the hard way. Or sometimes when it wasn't even hot, they would go to touch it and I would swat them before they even had an opportunity to realize it wasn't hot. Because I demanded obedience. And it was for what? They're good. Right? Our God is not demanding obedience because he has the worst of a life designed for us. No, he has designed a joyful and abundant life. And if we would fall in line with the word of God and be obedient to those things, man, we could live a blessed life. This world is a mess. Everywhere I go, I went back home a couple weeks. Everywhere I go, everybody is so, well, boy, have you seen what's going on with Joe Biden today? Have you seen what's going on with Donald? I can't believe there's another indictment. Well, guess what? I can And guess what? God knew that indictment was coming. God knows that they're trying to subvert everything in our nation. God understands that. But my hope is not in America. My hope is in Jesus Christ. And he has overcome all of this. And listen, Christians, we're going to live a miserable life if we're just going to consume ourselves with the surroundings of this. Listen, America was a, a, a blessed nation, and it still is. But we can't go around all frustrated and unhappy because of what's happening in politics. We need to concern ourselves and consume ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God and what the Word of God says and obey the Word of God and just trust that God will handle all those other things. I'm sick of it. It's so discouraging when you go, I'm going to go visit a friend and all they want to talk about is, I really don't care. I, I I care that there's fires and people are dying and there's natural disasters, but I'm not concerned about the climate and all this. I'm not going to, because God says that he will bring the seasons. Uh, I'm just trusting in my God and I don't want to get myself sick and, and be upset constantly and discouraged all the time because I'm looking at all these outward things. Listen, we need to be looking to heaven. And that's why we come here because we ought to be encouraging each other because when you go out into the workplace, 
I get it. You, live, you, you work in the secular world. There's going to be clowns out there that are going to be discouraging. And all they focus on those negative things. That's why we're here today, so we can get a shot in the arm and say, God is in control. God loves you. God still saves. And I'm glad to be here today. Are you being obedient to the scriptures? That was a side note. Back to my notes. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Just obey. Understand that we have a holy God that's watching it all. They were obedient even outside of the presence of the Apostle Paul. We need to be ready to obey even when we don't understand it. There's plenty for each of us to focus on in our walk with God that will keep us busy enough that we don't have to worry about anyone else. You won't have time to murmur and dispute about things in the church because you're so focused on your walk with God and you trying to obey what God has commanded you to do. Boy, how we need to get a hold of that. It doesn't matter what Miss Susie says or what she wore. And it doesn't matter that Mr. Bob, I don't want that, somebody hears Bob. I don't know if any, oh, Susanna's here, but anyway. This is not Bob here. This is just generic Bob. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what Bob wore. It doesn't matter what disposition Bob had. Are you being obedient to what God has for you? By the way, that person might just need you to be the one that talks to him to encourage him. So you should obey the command to exhort one another. Are you being obedient? Listen, we're talking about working out our salvation. We're talking about growing closer to God. We're talking about being conformed to the image of Christ. You must be obedient to God's word. You must. Whether anyone's watching or not. And it says work it out with fear. Fear and trembling. Paul doesn't mean that they fear and tremble with the idea of one might lose their salvation. We've already stamped that. There are people that will teach that, but that's not true. It's not Bible. But he wants that they must... Use it in a proper way to honor God and to understand who He is. And listen, we will give an account with fear and trembling. Listen, this laissez-faire attitude does not go with the Christian life. We will give an account. We do have a God that is holy, that is just, and He will make judgment one day. We should fear Him and tremble with that thought in mind. Listen, did you know the world is looking for somebody that's going to look different? There are people that may, if you say I'm a Christian, and I, if you say you're a Baptist, right, that'll even narrow it down more. But there are people, you tell them those types of things, and they already have a preconceived idea of how you ought to conduct yourself. The world's looking for something different. Let's not disappoint. Not in our own power. We'll look at that here in a few moments, Lord willing. In this idea of us giving an account, I, I came across a story about C.T. Studd. And it's told by his roommate. His roommate woke to find him in the corner of a room reading the Bible by candlelight. He asked him why he was, what he was doing and why he was doing it at such a late hour. Here's uh, Studd's reply. I felt like I was not close enough to God, so I was reading His Word to see if I had disobeyed 
any of his commands. Working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Do we regard God as C.T. Studd? God, I just don't feel like we're close. What, what have I done? What have I done to hinder our fellowship? What have I done to hinder my walk? Lord, I, I, I want to be obedient to you. I, I want to walk with you because I understand that I will give an account. Lord, show me. Show me those things. We must approach our Christian walk with obedience and a proper fear of a holy God if we're going to work out our salvation. But listen, we can do it in confidence. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Our confidence is not in self, but in God. He's going to work this thing out. It is God that works in and through us. He's the doer of all these works, and He's given us the strength or the power to walk the Christian life. Uh, You're not doing it on your own. Uh, He will strengthen you. Listen, He sent the Comforter. He sent the Holy Spirit to guide us and to direct us. Man, what a loving God that would die to save us and give us all the tools in His Word and the Holy Spirit of God that we might be obedient and to walk in His ways. So he certainly does those things. And and for the sake of time, I might have to... Well, before we're saved, he works on us, right? To bring us to that place. John 16, 7, 11, you can look at that. And after we're saved, he works within us. John 16, it says this in 16, 13. Howbeit when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you all things to come. And so listen, we're not doing this on our own. Uh, and, and we thank God for those things that He done in our life to bring us to this place. And, but God saved us to work. God saved us to work. And, and listen, and He does the equipping to do that. Uh, he certainly equips us. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit in, or dividing to every man severally as he will. 1 Corinthians 2.11, talking about God giving us, enabling us to do those things that he has for us. Listen, we have confidence, not in the flesh, but in the fact that God is working to make us what we ought to be. He's still working on me. And I'm so thankful for a God that loves me that would continue to work in my life. I won't sing that. I see somebody, some of you guys smirking out there. I'm not going to sing it for you. But he is still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And I'm so thankful for that. So as we obey and trust him, he will continue to conform us to the image of Christ. He will be faithful to his part. and Listen, but we need to do it without murmuring and disputing. So we should work it out with some restraint, perhaps. Do all things without murmuring and disputing is is verse 14 of our text. Listen, we're not to be controlled by the flesh or the old man and get involved in debating and complaining. I'll never forget, someone once said, the best way to keep from bickering is to stay busy. Oftentimes those folks that have a lot of discouraging things to say are the folks that aren't doing much around 
for the cause of Christ. If we are more focused on our responsibility to honor God and be about the Father's business, we would have little or no time to murmur and dispute. What are we consuming ourselves with? Listen, we need to be very careful because our flesh is prone to this. Our flesh is prone to be critical. Our flesh is prone to highlight those things, the negative aspects of people's character that we don't like. But what I've also learned sometimes is those, you have those same traits, you're just blind to it. In the Air Force, we used to do this four lenses lesson. They talk about our blind spots. Right? And oftentimes those blind spots that we have in our lives are the things that we highlight in other people's lives, certainly in our children. It, well, I'll speak for myself, certainly for me. Sometimes when I see my kids doing something, I just want to nail them. Man, they kind of learned that from dad. Wow, that's a convicting thought. <clears throat> so sometimes we just need to use some restraint as we work out our salvation and keep our mouths shut. Because you know you can't murmur and dispute if your mouth's closed. Hey, growing up, you've all heard it. If you, can't, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's good advice. Too bad we don't always keep it. And let me get into your living room a little bit. It's easy to say that here publicly. Nobody's going to run down the aisle here and say, well, and and start highlighting all the failures and, and begin disputing and murmuring and all that publicly. But what about the ride home from church today? What about at the house, husband and wife? Listen, we got to be careful that we don't develop a critical spirit. And I'm not saying we avoid issues. Some things do need to be discussed and some things need to be identified. But we have to be very careful that we're not doing it with the wrong spirit. So don't just think it's about the public stuff. Listen, does God, God knows what's going on in your heart. Listen, there are things that I've been... Thinking on, I'm like, man, Lord, I don't know if that's a, a pleasing thought to you. Help me there. And it was just because I was being critical of somebody. It wasn't an immoral or impure thought in, that, in the sense of something fleshly, but it was just a thought that was not right because I was being critical of an individual. God, help us with those. Maybe call them. Let them know you're praying for them. Be an encouragement to them. We need to be careful because if we develop that privately, it it will come out. Listen, you don't just start walking the aisles murmuring and disputing and throwing all these complaints and frustrations out because it didn't exist before that. No, you you harbored it and you developed it in your heart and your mind. Be very careful. Listen, but we always get so worried about the presence of the individuals, right? He's talking about obedience even in the absence of the apostle. Listen, God is looking. We need to do it all the time. We need to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, we say. We have all the right answers, but we rarely apply it to ourselves and in our own lives. So if we would keep our mouth shut, what does that lead to? Look at verse 15. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked <clears throat> excuse me, and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Boy, what a blessing it is to live a consecrated life. Without those murmurings and those disputings, we can be blameless and harmless 
identified as the sons of God by our conduct. We're demonstrating that we're a child of the King. We're demonstrating that that we are Christ's living a blameless and harmless life. We're without rebuke. And we can do that all in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We can have a great attitude when the topic of politics comes up in the workplace or the topic of religion. Listen, sometimes I can't tell you how many times I got in discussions about religions with people at work. It happens pretty much every day here because I... <laughs> but during my time in the Air Force, it would come up often. And what I learned over time is people cared very little about what I said and they regarded much of how they saw me live. So sometimes we, uh, we want to insert ourselves in that religious conversation so we can share Christ. Maybe it's just sometimes you hold your tongue a little bit. One, because if you're doing it in the flesh, that's not right. Listen, you got to be led of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. We ought to be preaching, don't misunderstand, but uh, we ought to be taking opportunities to do that. But sometimes we can do it in a very confrontational way that is really not ordained of God, I think, at times. I'll never forget a testimony of a friend of mine. He was in the Air Force. Flight line, I think he was working mid-shift. And he was in the truck with his supervisor. He worked on B-52s. So he's working, and he had recently been saved. And the Holy Spirit was just pounding on his heart, share the gospel, share the gospel, and he would not do it. And that man finally pulled the Bible out and said, have you ever read this thing? He was nervous. He was scared. This guy's intimidating. He's a big muscle-bound guy. He's like, I don't know. And he knew me before I was really in Christ. So what's he going to think? Listen, when the Holy Spirit moves, you ought to obey God is working in people's hearts. The number one thing we can do is is pray for God's Holy Spirit leading in our witness. Uh, Listen to me. Cast the word. Preach. Share the gospel. But do it with the love of Christ, I guess is what I'm saying. Don't, Don't be the difficult person to have a conversation with because you just feel like you've got to say it your way. Listen, they're not going to agree with you. They don't believe the Bible. Expect that and use opportunities over the course of time, perhaps. Um, And I'm talking with ongoing relationships, right? Uh, There's different situations in in witnessing, so I don't want to lump everything into one, but I hope you understand what I'm saying today. But the bottom line is we can live without rebuke, blameless and be harmless in the midst of chaos and perverseness and filth. The idea of blameless is to be free of fault. Harmless is kind of unmixed sincerity or having no pretense. Uh, harmless kind of, in other words, it's a person that is just what they claim to be. <clears throat> so don't build yourself up as some great spiritual giant if you're not. Because you're going to let your coworker down. But we should work our salvation out with illumination, so to speak. We should shine Verses 15 and 16, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, 
among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. The Christian is to shine. I think it's easy if we would just be obedient to the word of God, fear our God, live according to how he has designed us to live because we're being obedient to the word, we are going to look different. Guaranteed. Because what's acceptable in our society today, even here in America, is perverse. It's wicked. And so if we will align ourselves with the word of God and become obedient to the word of God, understanding that we will give account to him, we will stand out. And that is an opportunity for us to shine for Christ. I can't tell you how many people ask, why don't you drink? Well, let me tell you. Listen, just doing what God tells us to do and being obedient to the word of God helps us shine. It's also one of the most convicting things to think about because we can blend into society. Especially in a society, as bad as America is, if you live a conservative way, you can blend in. So I'm not saying you don't have a responsibility to preach Christ. You do have to open your mouth. So don't misunderstand me this morning. We do need to open our mouth at times and, and preach the gospel. Again, as the Holy Spirit leads oftentimes, uh, and, and sometimes just as a manner of life, we, we preach the gospel. But, um, <clears throat> so don't just think you're just going to blend in and get it by and, and nobody's going to notice you. You don't have to say anything. That's not the goal here either. The goal is to shine the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. God loves them. He wants to save them. They may not receive it. The idea of holding forth uh, means that you are a presenter or you're offering something. We're holding forth the word of life. So now our life is aligned with the word of God and we're obedient to the word of God. And, and listen, we are the epistles written in their hearts, so to speak, as the Bible tells us. They can see it in us. And then we hold it forth. We can proclaim it with our mouth as well. We can preach the gospel wherever you're at. Do you shine this morning as a Christian ought to? Do you present or offer the word of life to those around you? We are to take the faith that we've been given and to share it. Would others want your faith? Certainly some of them don't because they don't want anything to do with God. And they're the enemies of God. We understand that. But what I'm saying is, is your life appealing? Um, <clears throat> our kids were made fun of in school. I can't remember. It might have been Colin. Could have been Carter. Maybe Caleb. <laughs> but they were made fun of in school. This is why. Their parents were not divorced. And they did not have a blended family. And I'm not opposed to, if, if people are in that situation, I understand, I get it. There's God's grace and he loves you. I'm not, I'm not down in that. But our kids were made fun of because their parents were the same parents that had given birth to them and had been raising them. It's crazy. They're not going to receive it necessarily like we think they would. Because in my mind, boy, what a blessing. Mom, Dad, together, forever, stability, love. Yeah, but they were given a hard time about that. 
So I get it. Everybody's not going to grab onto what we have to offer. But the flip side of that is most of those people, when they lay their head on the pillow at night, would probably look back and go, boy, that would be nice. Boy, my family's difficult. I, I have hardship because of some of the things that took place. And so those, but it wasn't the norm. And so they were given a hard time. Listen, uh, are you living a life that others want because of your faith in Christ? Or are you murmuring, or are you this giant murmuring and disputing ball of negativity and depression around others? We can shine the light of the word of the gospel, or we can spread our negativity. It really doesn't matter how dark the world is, or how bad our nation gets here in America. We can have the joy of Christ knowing our sins are forgiven and we have a Father that will provide and keep us. Listen, we have a God that's obligated to meet our needs. So I don't care what the economy does. Now, I might have to move into a different home, drive a different car, maybe walk perhaps. I don't know. God never promised me a car. Now, I want a car and it's convenient to have a car. I live quite a ways. But what I'm telling you is sometimes our idea of what God has for us and what the Christian life is, is corrupted because of we have a worldly standard. And are, are we content with Christ? Listen, don't consume yourselves with everything in this world. With the bad economy, the bad this, the bad that. Boy, I, I've seen it all in the news. Sometimes I just want to quit watching it, but then I don't want to be an idiot either. I, I want to be aware of what's going on. But listen... Don't allow that to consume you. We serve a God that has promised to meet our needs and to provide for us. And I believe this with all my heart. I I think we can trust Him. I'm certainly not going to put my faith in the stock market. But in the Creator God, I think we can put our confidence and our trust in. So don't worry about how dark the world gets. God's in control. Verse 16, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. And so the Apostle Paul says that, but I'm looking toward the day of Christ. What an exciting day, a day of rejoicing, excitement. I'm not talking about the day of judgment, the day of the Lord. I'm talking about the day of Christ. And listen, we have eternal life and look forward to the day that our salvation is made sight. What a blessing. First John 3 reminds us of the practical side of, of this truth in the New Testament. Every man that hath this hope in himself purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Listen, we ought to occupy ourselves with Christ over everything else. Abraham looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We learn that in Hebrews chapter 10. So to every Christian should look forward to the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, in Titus chapter 2. Wait, listen, don't get down with what's going on around us. Just be obedient to the Word of God. Understand that He's going to work it all things out, and He can use you in a mighty way to reach the lost for the cause of Christ. So don't live careless to your Christian responsibilities. We need to abide in Him, those things that are pleasing in His sight. We need to do those things. 
What are those things that are pleasing to him? And when we do that, we can have a confidence that we won't be ashamed of his coming. Boy, if you're living contrary to the word of God and, and you're not honoring God with your life, boy, you're not looking forward to that day. But if you're being obedient, boy, what a, what a blessing to look forward to that. You know, the day of Christ is going to bring a conclusion to all of our struggles. All the things that we deal with, challenges, difficulties, heartaches, the suffering, boy, we have a great day to look forward to. So let's consume ourselves with that. Not the negativity that surrounds us so prominently today. Boy, I'm looking forward to the day our faith is made sight. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we shall sing and shout the victory. Listen this morning, are you working out? Go to the gym if you need to. It's fine. Do that. That might be good for some of us. I know for me. But I'm talking about your Christian walk. Are you being obedient to what God has for you? Are you allowing God to work out your salvation? Are you being conformed to the image of Christ? Is there anything hindering your spiritual growth this morning? Let's pray.